hello, welcome to Blades Pod. Uh, my name is Ben. I'm a Sheffield United fan. It is Wednesday. Uh, in fact, it is Thursday, the 22nd of March. Uh, yesterday, I had a good long chat with Jay Sosick, who has been on this podcast uh, over the previous few weeks. You probably probably heard him on those if you listen to those episodes. Uh, he is a a budding football data analyst uh, and always an interesting guest to have on so um yeah we're in an international break which is is terrible for those of us who actually like football because there's no meaningful football now for the thick end of two weeks so uh had a chat with jay to kind of digest uh the game with forest this weekend uh look ahead to our next couple of opponents as well uh and we talk a little bit about um I guess our, our running, the the performances of the teams that we're kind of chasing, uh, and then a little bit about what um what we're kind of missing as a team this season, and what what kind of you know elements that we would most like to to add to United to um to make them a a true playoff contender rather than kind of just sitting on the the verges at the moment. So um yeah, another good one I think. I really enjoyed doing this. So thanks as always to Jay for coming on. Uh, and yeah, here it is. Enjoy. All right, so I'm joined now by Jay. So Jay, thank you very much once again for uh, for coming on the podcast, giving up some time to talk to me. Uh, really appreciate it. No worries, mate. How are you doing? Uh, I'm very good, thank you. I'm having uh, a very good, if if busy day. So uh, yeah, this this actually works works kind of well. Recording this towards the end of my day, I think. Everything all right with you? Yeah, yeah, good, mate. Yeah, just uh, just trying to write down all my stat nerds that I'm about to bring over the next however long minutes to uh, <laughs> impress people or put people to sleep. Nice. Well, people seem to really enjoy the, the last couple of podcasts. So uh, I think I think more people will be interested than, than going to sleep. So that, that's a good thing, I think. Um, all right. So let, let's get started then. Uh, obviously, I produced a podcast the other week which talked about our games with Ipswich and Burton. Uh, we then had Forest, which is, was after the last episode. So uh, United obviously uh, drew this game nil nil. Um, it wasn't a great performance, I didn't think, which we can come to, come on to uh, in a moment. Um, I was there. The weather conditions were bizarre, I think, to say the least. Um, so my, my season ticket is uh, is towards the back of the cop, and I'm not joking when I say this. It was snowing on my seat at the back of the cop it's just the, <laughs> the amount that was coming down and the the wind was sort of swirling it around it was as though there was no roof at all it was uh it was a very bizarre experience um and i mean obviously you watch the game as well and uh you know there was sort of we'd have like two minutes of ridiculously heavy snow where you could barely see the other end of the stadium and then uh the sun would come out and it would look like a beautiful spring day but yeah, on the whole, uh, I don't think the snow did us any favours. Um, just kind of an awkward way to play. I guess a lot of players, you know, there was multiple times where people, you know, tried to kind of duck back inside and lost their feet. And I think just generally it probably was to the detriment of the quality of the game. And that in turn is probably probably negated our chances of, of winning it slightly, I think. I kind of felt that, um, I mean, so we, we had some good opportunities in the... Uh, in the first half, uh, Clark had an early header saved by the goalie, um, and then he, he also somehow managed to miss from about three yards. Where he, I don't know, I mean, I guess you've obviously seen it, but if anyone else hasn't seen it, essentially a cross comes in from the left. Clark was pretty much on the far post in the six-yard box and somehow headed it uh, back the way it came and out. And 
yeah, I, I don't really remember us having too many other chances after that. There's a couple of sort of a couple of shots from mid to long range that Fleck had one that was saved towards the end, but it's fairly comfortable. Where whereas I thought as the game went on, Forest kind of um, just looked the better team. Really got were much more in control when they had the ball. Won a lot of second balls in the middle. I thought Ben Watson was um, particularly good for them. He seemed to be just picking up everything in the middle, really. Um, and then yeah, we had. Uh, we had Jamal Blackman to thank for um, you know getting a point out of this game. I think never mind uh, never mind three, which well obviously we didn't get three, but yeah, we had him to thank for his uh, you know saving face and saving a point. Yeah, I wouldn't have begrudged Forrest to win at all on that second half performance. I actually thought probably apart from Fulham, um, they they were that was if you take away their league position, that was probably one of the better performances I've seen at Roman Lane from the side uh, mm. going forward. So it was a great performance from them in the second half. I thought they, they took control of the game as well as we gave them control. Um, mm. it, it was a double-edged sword, I thought. Uh, and definitely Blackman kept us in it and his value probably increased quite a lot on that game alone. Yeah, d- definitely. I mean, he has been uh, really good since coming back into the team, I think. Uh, I mean, he was good before, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned his value there. I mean, uh, we, I guess we talked a little bit about this, but... I saw an article uh, on one of the United forums today that had had his, his asking price, according to this article, is uh, one and a half million, which which seems laughable. I think like I I can't possibly imagine that we could sign him or indeed any Premier League team's goalkeeper, even if it's their third or fourth choice for that amount of money. I would imagine it's significantly more than that, probably three to four times that. Um, I mean, the one thing I did think with with Blackman is, um, you know, maybe we can get him back again next season on loan. I mean, he's he's not going to be playing for Chelsea anytime soon. Uh, you know, as good as he's been playing, there is there's no way to my mind that he is playing for Chelsea uh, in anything apart from the League Cup next year. And I, I would be amazed if he is that as well. If you look at, yeah, you, know, you look at De Gea at Man U and and how how important he has been to their league position, the amount of goals that they should have conceded uh, going on expected goals versus like the amount that he's actually stopped. You know, there's, there's no way that um, Chelsea will be you know, chucking Blackman in there into their team. I don't think for, for the, any, any time soon. So yeah, I do wonder if they will look at him and go like, okay, he's, he's pretty young. United, uh, an upwardly mobile side He's probably going to play most weeks. Like, Maybe they'll just let him come back to us next season, which would probably work best for for all parties. I think the thing that sort of concerned me a little bit was the the kind of loss of shape in the second half. I mean, uh, you know, Wilder said after afterwards that he kind of uh, yeah he was trying to go for it, trying to go to go all out to win the game, but it, it just felt a bit sort of kitchen sink to me, as in like we, you know, we just chuck all these players on, and you know we yeah. got uh, brought Holmes on, and then you know Donaldson's come on, and Brooks has come on, and suddenly. You know, with I think Holmes is playing in one position, then Donaldson comes on, so he shifts around, and I, I don't know. It just it well, it, it literally didn't work. But also, just watching it unfold live, it just sort of felt like mm, this is you know we, we kind of lost any any grip we had on this game. Although to be fair, we weren't exactly on top at that point either. No, but I think that's it's interesting what you're saying. It's key as well. Um, we we didn't create as many chances or didn't have as much territory, if you will, in the final third when mm. we bought more attacking players on it yeah. didn't affect us in a good way um it, it made the side extremely inefficient actually because it was completely unbalanced in the middle of the park mm. 
as you previously alluded to, when you've got Ben Watson and Jack Cole back in there, who are two Premier League players, mm. to be honest. You know, they're controlling a game. The worst thing that happened was we emptied the midfield. Yeah. Um, just allowed them even more control, quite frankly. Although there was one or two occasions I thought we broke away. Um, and there was an overload. We had three on two at one point, a four on three, or even man for man. Mm. But the final, not only the final quality and delivery of the ball, but the choice as well, the decision-making, that was the poorest we've been probably since the whole game. Um, really poor, either picking a Hollywood pass when there was an easier layoff on mm. or you know, a, a poor cross into a poor area. We just didn't do the things that we've been doing well for a long time at home. So yeah. it was just an, an all-round pretty pretty loose in attacking performance, really. Yeah, I think that's fair. And uh, yeah, just kept sort of cycling through different... It, it almost felt like... I don't know, like almost like you're playing FIFA or Football Manager. It's like, yeah, yeah. oh, this striker hasn't scored, so get another guy on quickly. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's a very insulting, uh, insulting interpretation of the game. But that's kind, of, that's kind of how I felt just sat there, like, oh, we've nice. go on. Sorry, it's true. It's true, Ben. Yeah, it's completely true what you say because if that would have worked, Wilds a genius and another masterstroke from him. Mm. Uh, just like when he bought Brooks on against Burton. Yeah. But, it didn't work, so he looks amateurish because all he's done is chuck a load of attacking players on, which is what us fans shout in the stand, and we're not paid to manage the script team. So <laughs> no. they, they live and they live and die by subs, don't they? In games like that, and uh, yeah, we, we just never wrestled control away from Forest. So I, if anything, I'm I was happy on reflection with the point. Yeah, I felt we probably should have lost the game. Yeah, that's kind of how uh, that's kind of how I felt as well. I think, like you said, you know, probably. Probably just about deserved to lose the game. I think the um, the sort of expected goals timeline for this had had Forest just edging it, I guess. But yeah, certainly wouldn't have begrudged begrudged them uh, getting the win. Uh, as I say, Blackman made three really good saves in the second half to uh, to keep us level. Um, and yeah, we just lacked a bit of uh, intelligence and quality, I guess, uh, towards the end. Um, so just just moving on a little bit. I mean, uh, obviously into an international break now, uh, which is as, as boring as always. I, I really hate international football at this point, particularly international <laughs> friendlies. Um, they're just so dull, and I don't know what I'm going to do for ten days when there's just no football on at all. But um, you know, while they kind of mentioned that it uh, it comes at a good time for us for Sheffield United, um, I don't really know what to make of that. I mean. You know, the, I keep seeing this kind of thing that oh, we're the reason our performances are dipping a bit is because we're because we're tired and you know the players are tired from the kind of high intensity way that we played um, towards the start of the season. Which, I mean, it's it's definitely a thing. You know, the the, the style that we play is very um, you know physically intense. There's a lot of pressing and you know the overloads. We have to cover a lot of ground and all that. But I don't know if this. You know, if you can say, well, that is like the only thing that means we've not been doing as well recently. It's just because the players are tired and now we're going to have this break and we'll come back fresh and ready to go. I, I, I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Um, I'm kind of like yourself. I'm a little bit split on it. I think on the one hand, it was very well discussed earlier in the season, especially by Wilder in any press conference, that we make teams work. Mm. Um, and it's not necessarily through through pressing as in a kind of Liverpool type press where we're, we're playing high up the pitch. I actually think we should play a lot higher. Mm. Um, it's more offensively, as you mentioned there with the overload, the fact we're asking centre-backs to run 30 metres to provide an overlap. Yeah. Wing-backs are always bombing. The midfielders, although we don't get into the box much, we're expected to come always support the ball yeah. um, from the wing-backs. So 
the ground we're covering is an awful lot. Um, and that, that's the way that we've chosen to play to maximise to our strength. So I, I think there was many interview about Matt Prestridge, the sports science guy, mm. um, early on in the season about how the numbers were saying we're one of the fittest teams in the league. And I always felt that's going to impact you in a 46-game season. Mm. Um, that's out in the Cups. You know, the championship is a slog. It, it, everyone knows this. And at some point, everyone gets mentally or physically tired. I think that mental tiredness is a, is a key one. You can't measure it. So as mm. a statistician, it, it's not easy to, to put a value on this. But if you look at our, the, almost the imagination and that concentration level to either provide that killer pass at the right moment, that seems to have dipped mm. uh, in the last eight, ten games. So I think there is an element of tiredness, but whether it's uh, mental fatigue or physical physical fatigue, I'm not sure. But there's also other other contributing factors that I'm sure we'll get into as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, we've got this break and then we come off that and we've got a uh, a tough game against Brentford away. Uh, and I know you know every game in the championship is tough because uh, even teams at the bottom uh, are fighting to stay up, even though they're at the bottom for a reason. So by definition, <laughs> that should be a less tough game. But but Brentford are Probably like a really weird team this season, having sort of the weirdest thing. The yeah. weirdest. So, I mean, do, do you want to just expand on that for anyone who has no idea what we're talking about? So, for anyone, I mean, I know you're you, you're. I'd call you a statistician now. You, you're there, Ben. Um, I, I keep an eye on it. Follows, <laughs> you do more than that. Anyone who follows any type of analytics of the championship will know Brentford pretty much top the attacking charts for numbers. So their xG is the highest in the league. They take the most shots per game. I think they've got the highest percentage of key passes per game. Um, they are pretty much a perfect attacking unit according to their numbers. Mm. What their numbers do show is that their finishing is nowhere near as good as it needs to be. If they had a, a striker, which is probably where the money comes into it, I guess, for Brentford, but if they had a striker who was clinical, they'd probably be at the top of the league, if not in the top six. Mm. Um, defensively, they do have some issues. Their XG conceded. I can't quite remember where they are in the table, but it's quite mid-tableish to low down. Yeah, I think that's right. So they'll not be uh, they'll not be too pleased about that. But they are they are a very good creative side, and a lot of games that they lose. If you look at the the XG timeline, uh, I'll give him his dues. Experimental three six one. He has all these timelines. You will see Brentford might lose a game, but their XG numbers far outweigh normally what the scoreline should be. So the Middlesbrough game at the weekend. Their XG was 2.8 compared to Middlesbrough's 1.1, I think. And it was and uh, one, one all draw, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And if you saw the if you saw the goal, that summed it up because Adama Traore just scored a great goal. Yeah. And other than that, Middlesbrough didn't do too much. <laughs> I um, uh, I think it was even with the Cardiff. So they uh, am I right? They lost three one to Cardiff recently. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I saw the the XG timeline on the same site for that had them. Uh, well, I had them ahead, basically, and they, they got done 3-1. But I feel like all season, every time I've looked at these, it's been like, what the hell's happened at Brentford? They've like, you know, by, by advance, any advanced metrics, they've dominated this game and somehow managed to lose or draw or, or, or only win one one by one goal when they should have won by three or four. And yeah, yeah I, I'm waiting to see the article that's like <laughs> to, trying to explain Brentford, basically, in the context that, of... Uh... There has been some. Right, okay. <laughs> there has been some in the wider community, but... Um... The only thing you can point your finger to without looking at video analysis of every single chance is just the finishing. Yeah, and that's probably real, that's reflected in terms of if you just look at get away with all these fancy dance stats, if you will. If you just look at goals scored and, and players who scored the goals, mm. they are nowhere near the top. So right. they're not scoring the goals they should do. Although it has to be said, some of their purchases, I mean, some of their scouting. Ollie Watkins from, from Exeter was it they signed Ollie Watkins from? Mm. Yeah, one of the 
one of the highest, I think the highest expected assists in the league. One oh, of the really? highest. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's like 10, 10.2 or something like that. Um, there you go, me and decimal points again. Yeah, very um, good. <laughs> <laughs> his XG's highs as well. Uh, Florian, I can't even say his name, Jeffrasian or something like that. Their right winger, the Dutch right winger, he's right. like eight unexpected assists. So their XA is massive. Um, and these, these players are creating golden opportunities, but they don't seem to take them, mm. which means two things. One, they really are lacking in the striker department, and that'll run concurrently through the season or two someone's about to get a wallop in which makes me fearful yeah oh, I guess that's always the risk you have to wonder if we could uh, you know blending some of uh, some of United players with some of Brentford's players would, would probably make for a, a pretty decent team I think um, but yeah, Definitely. yeah. Um, but yeah that's so that's uh, that's Brentford's obviously our next game which uh, yeah that is a roundabout but well explained way of saying that's going to be a difficult game um <laughs> And then obviously, <laughs> immediately after that, we've got Cardiff, who are uh, comfortably second place. Um, I think the last time we spoke, actually, we were talking about whether Fulham are going to chase them down. And we, we sort of said, you know, as, as ridiculously good as Fulham have been, uh, they're probably not going to catch up with Cardiff. Um, and I do, oh, I do have the table in front of me, actually. But they are, um, yeah, so Cardiff currently seven points ahead of Fulham with a game in hand. So potentially 10 points ahead. Fulham, as good as they've been, they're not going to catch Cardiff. It's it's just not going to happen. Um, so that obviously is also going to be uh, a very tough game. So two kind of two kind of very difficult games coming up, where um, you know our season could essentially be over after those two games. I think, or probably probably in a, a very low percentage chance of of making the playoffs. Um, but yeah, my my sort of counterpoint to that is. We're not in that it's all over territory just yet, I don't think. No, no, not at all. Um, I know there's a lot of outcry about that after certain games recently. And mm. every time we speak or every time we do anything, it seems to be a case of, uh, or the next week's the biggest week of the season. Um, <laughs> at the minute, pretty much they just all are. It's as simple as that. And there'll be twists and turns, no doubt. I'm sure we might, if we lost these two games, mm. one, three in a row, get back in it. But I agree with you. We need to take points from these two games. Um just just some, some basic stats there. Going Just resulting back to Brentford for a second. Last five away games, we've only won one. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you touched on away form in the last pod you did about after the Burton game. Um, and that kind of aligns with that. We're a much weaker away team. Mm-hmm. Um, one interesting thing, which, which might help us in games such as the Cardiff one at home, as you say, when we're playing someone who's opposition-wise in form, appearing to have a much better squad than us is, Whenever we seem to score in the first 15 minutes, we, we tend to win the game. Um, mm. We've actually got one of the highest goal scoring ratios in that first zero to 15 minutes. We scored 11 goals from that. And when we do that, we tend to win. Okay. Which I think could be one of the reasons when you look at recent performances why we haven't got results, especially if you look, you know, Leeds, we scored early, won the game. Mm-hmm. Um, Leon Clark has his chance early in the game, we miss and we don't win. Yeah. It's not to say it's that simplistic, but. I think if we go off at teams, and this is where the whole resting might come into this, if we actually go at teams from the start, like we did at the beginning of the season, and get that early goal, that seems to set our tone, and we're a very good side at winning games from a, um, a leading position. We've only conceded six equalising goals against us from a winning position. So, yeah, right. yeah that, so, is, that is interesting. I mean, because it is obviously... Well, I, actually, I don't know this for absolute fact, but I would assume it's a, uh, a fairly universal truth that the team that scores first in a game is, is more likely to win it seems fairly yeah. logical but but to have us so so high in the rankings for teams that actually do that is is quite encouraging 
yeah, definitely. No, you're quite right. It's logical. Obviously, you one nil up. You, most of the time, you're going to win or draw the game. But no, we are one of the sides that tend to do that well, and that's more to do with probably our domination of the football and our defence being quite good as well. Mm. Um, you know, low quality chances. We don't tend to let teams back in it. Um, probably, as you can see, it kind of relates to the bigger picture of when we're going away to the big teams. If we go one nil down, we tend not to get back in the game either. Yeah, because we're not very good at chasing games. I think that's becoming quite apparent. Yeah, that's that's very true. Actually, that has that has really become apparent in uh, in this second half of the season. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, shout out to our defense again. Admittedly, we should have, uh, you know, we should have conceded a couple probably this weekend. But you know, it's three clean sheets after we talked about, um, you know, how expected goals had them as uh, such a, a high performing unit in the league. So that's nice to see. But yeah, we we need to um, keep banging them in the other end. I guess. I mean. You know, just to sort of skip ahead a little bit, um, you know, talking about these these tough next couple of games, and I saw this on um, on the United uh, the S two four SU forum uh, over this week, and it's the uh, yeah our record against the top ten uh, is is very poor, I think. So, uh, if for anyone who's not seen this, um, we have won just two games against sides uh, above us in the league, so we're obviously ninth right now, which is the the 2-0 win over Wolves, uh, where they were down to 10 men for the majority of the game, which, you know, I, I would I would stress that we forced them into that 10 men. You know, that was a, it was a great through ball, and Cody essentially had no chance, but to, uh, sorry, no no choice to bring down the striker um, rather than let him run in and score. And then the other one is the, uh, the win over Derby from earlier in the season, which, again, you could uncharitably say, oh, you know, Derby gave us those three goals with three mistakes, but... I would strongly counter that because we were so much better than them that day and fully deserved the win. But yeah, other than that, we've had two draws and everything else is a loss. And uh, all of those losses bar two, um, we've failed to score in. Uh, on the flip side, our, our form against teams below us, so 11th down, is uh, it is almost absurdly good. So I've I, I totted this up. Uh, we've taken 52 points from a possible 75 against wow. teams below us in the league, which is is phenomenal, really. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, the only team that we've not beaten um, that are actually below us in the league are, are Forest, uh, who obviously we drew with this weekend, uh, and Birmingham, but we still have a game against them. So, I mean, what, what do you think about this? Like, this, this clear disparity between our results against teams above us and results against teams below. Do you think this is, like, just clear evidence of... I guess of how what our ceiling is. You know, can we actually push beyond this, or is I don't know. Do you, do, you, do you draw anything from this, or is it just kind of like, well, these teams are better than us, so that's the way it shakes out. Yeah, it is that, but there's reasons for that, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it fits to the whole narrative that we've been discussing, um, which is getting ahead first, getting dominant possession of the ball, front foot in the game. We can't do that against those sides above us due to the quality they have. And we are not a side that is designed... This is not a criticism of Chris Wilder at all. There's ways to play, and I love the way we play, but we're not a side that's designed to sit in. We're not made to, for counter-attacking. Mm. So weeks that we played Wolves and lost to Wolves 3-0 um, away from home, they then had QPR the week after, I believe, and they struggled to a 2-1 win, and QPR mm. should have won that game. The reason being is QPR have pacey players on the counter-attack. Yeah. They sit in counter when they're away from this is not us. That's not what we do. So when we go away or, or even at home to these teams, we're not made to, to sit in and defend. That, that's the first key point, I'd say. The second one 
He's very often in those games, despite taking some hammerings away from home. The first goal, as you clearly said there, is the most important. Mm. And I feel as though in those games, it's the lack of real top quality and the difference makers that are the big difference between us and the top sides. Yeah, I think uh, that's fair. I'm just looking at this. Uh, yeah, I was just looking at this sort of chart of this again. And out of those those games that we've lost against teams above us, uh, from memory, the only one that we've scored first in was Fulham at home which we lost 4-5 in the end. Uh, but then, yeah, I'm looking at the other ones. Villa away, we were obviously 2-0 down. Derby away, we were 1-0 down. Uh, Bristol at home, we were... Sorry, Bristol City at home. God's sake. One day I'm going to keep that <laughs> habit. Bristol City at home, we were uh, we were 1-0 down. So, yeah, there's there's very few games where, as you say, we're, having conceded that first goal, we've been able to get back into it and actually get something out of it. Yeah, it's, to be honest with you, it's actually one of my... When you look at the numbers, I wouldn't say, again, I don't want to label the criticism of the United season. My main point at the minute I've been on Twitter is trying to feed positives to the United mm. season. And well, I mean, let's be right. It has been a bloody good season. Oh, it's beyond wildest dreams. Yeah. I've got that wildest in there. Yeah, that's very um, good. <laughs> <laughs> it was poor, mate. But, um, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I don't, I don't like is how we have, we've been turned over by some sides away from home. I know there was the fight back against Villa and the, the fight back against Derby for the 1-1, but Predominantly, when we've gone to sides that are considered better than us, if they score first, we seem to be lying down and losing games quite easily. Mm. Twofold, it could be the old Wilder kitchen sink syndrome, or it could just be that they're, they're taking their chance as well. But I don't like those kind of statistics. And I think we spoke about this earlier without trying to jump too far ahead because the season is still live, it's not dead. Mm. One thing that has to change next year is I think A, we need to add difference makers, which is where the money is. Yeah. Uh, or good scouting, um, and then B, we probably need to add a little bit of ruthlessness in terms of that defensive organisation. So if we go 1-0 down, away from home to a big side, accept 1-0 for 50-60 minutes. That's mm. what Cardiff do extremely well. They accept that they they might not be 1-0 up, or they might not be winning a game for a long time, but they'll dig it out. And we don't seem to be a side that can dig it out at the minute. That's, that's not something that you, in the past, would have associated with United, but this Wilder team are better at the football side of things. Mm. Where that, that, that almost that doggedness comes from. Um, again, it's not a criticism, but I just think that that's one of the things as well when we go away to top sides or at home to top sides. We don't seem to be able to cope with the constant attacks, if you see what I mean. Mm. Um, the, that wave after wave of pressure, we fold. I think Fulham away was a great example of that. Everyone watching must have thought he's coming. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a couple of reasons for it really but it is quite a telling start and very impressive against the bottom half that's a good flat track bully run right there absolutely yeah that, I mean that is that is the very definition of flat track bully but fortunately it's um, it, it's like two thirds of the league so you know yeah. we, we have generally crushed teams below us uh, which has been very satisfying um, but yeah I mean to sort of uh, move it on a little bit I mean you, you mentioned there about difference makers and you know, you, you already uh, name-checked, uh, is it Adama Traore? This is my lack of knowledge of this player who has been, from from what I see of various clips, he's like the Ronaldo of the championship, it seems. And I, I, I keep meaning to look up how Borough have managed to uh, acquire and retain this guy because every time I've seen him, he's just like, it's just a total live wire. It's like they, they clearly just give him the ball and, and let him go. He's ridiculously fast. He can dribble, shoot, takes like 20 shots a game, it feels like, and... Yeah, it is a major attacking threat. Um, and it, it, it is. I know, I know a little bit about him, uh, just, just to interject there, because yeah, he is it. 
he is a football manager player's dream. Um, <laughs> right. He's been around since about 2011. He was, he was at Barcelona and he was a wonder kid at Barcelona on the game and in real life. Um, right. Always spoken about. Um, and the reason I got into analytics flowed from football manager. And, and one of the brilliant things about Adama Choro's analytics is he is without a shadow of a doubt the best dribbler in the world at football. Any, yeah, any I've graphic, seen this. Oh, yeah, any graphic you see. So if you plot Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, Suarez, whoever else you think, Gareth Bale, whoever you think is a good dribbler, Traore absolutely smashes them statistically. So, so um, how, are you, how are you defining that then? Is that like uh, like number of successful dribbles? Correct. Number right. of successful dribbles. Uh, so not just, not just number of dribbles, because obviously me or you could get a ball and try and dribble it and lose it a lot of time. Successful <laughs> dribbles. Yeah. This man puts numbers up that are unreal. Yeah, um, I think I've seen like a... Uh, a chart on this where it's it's essentially got like um, it's a dot for every player and it's like a graph of uh, yeah number of successful dribbles and you basically got every player in the world in this one little circle and then there's in the top right hand corner in like a different galaxy is is Triore um, so yeah it's, yeah he's, he seems to be uh, a bit of a phenom and uh, yeah as we're kind of saying you know it's starting to feel like a lot of teams uh, above us have a few players like this. Um, you know, Troy, obviously mentioned Bamford's obviously been uh, banging them in for Borough as well. Uh, Fulham have got Sessegnon and they've got Mitrovic on loan, which is is enough to make most teams jealous. I think that they can just borrow a, a clearly very good championship striker for a few months. Kearney as well. You know, players, I, I guess also a bit like... Um, uh, Snodgrass, I mean, you know, just sort of pulling a win out of, out of thin air almost for Villa against us. And yeah, it, it feels like we, this is, this to me, and maybe this is a lazy narrative, but this feels like one of the the big things that mean we've kind of stalled in this eighth, ninth position rather than being cemented in the top five or six, I think, you know, especially now Clark's goals have dried up. Brooks is still, you know, pretty raw and, and certainly not fully fit. Coots obviously injured. Um, so yeah, I was wondering, uh, you know, a bit of a thought experiment. Uh, but yeah, if, if if you could add like one thing or one type of player to to United uh, right now, not necessarily over the summer, but you know, if we could just mystically drop someone in, what what do you think that would be, or, or what one thing do you think we're lacking that's kind of ultimately going to cost us? Um, I like this experiment. Um, <laughs> we are devoid of pace. Uh, mm-hmm. George Bulldog. George Ball that pretty look, much looks like the fastest player we've got. Um, yeah, which is which probably is, not saying too much, is it? He's like fine, but you, yeah, don't, you exactly. don't tend to see him like beat a man for pace, really, do you? No, and I, I think his key is he's got pace and energy, but he's not got the skill with it. I think Kevin, mm. I'll name drop here, me and Kevin Gage were discussing that on Twitter. Nice. Um, about he's, he's not got a trick, he can't beat a man, but he's a right back predominantly that we're trying to convert into a more forward thinking player. So I don't mm. blame him for that. Um, we, I'm not necessarily saying we need a winger. Uh, I think you touched on this and it's a great tactical point. We don't need a winger because we're not trying to change the way we play, but we need some directness through the middle, someone who can beat a man. Yeah. Our main, I think our main drop-off point tactically has been that teams, I'm not saying they've learned how we play, but teams have studied our style and realised if they sit in, we're going to struggle to break them down unless Mark Duffy does something special. It's It really is as simple as that. Deny us space, deny our, our wingers time to, to pick a cross out, um, and we're not going to offer too much in terms of a goal threat. So what we need is someone who can beat that first line, that first press, that first challenge, and then all of a sudden that opens up space because defenders have to move to the ball. Um, so that's what I'd say we need. Now, unfortunately, that tends to cost a lot of money. I think there's some players 
there is some players in League One. I do. I don't tweet them out often, but I do have League One XG, XA, dribbles, stats. Mm. Um, there is some players in League One who who may be in the summer if we have a bit. They would class a bit of budget. Um, yeah. Do, do you want to throw a few names out there? We could we could start a rumor today. Marcus Madison. Marcus Madison is uh, so Mar- not the Peterborough player. Yeah, Marcus yes. Madison at Peterborough. So this is a realistic one. I've got my dream one, but realistically, <laughs> um, I saw Leeds potentially were in for him in January. I don't think. If you follow Darren McAntony on Twitter, he would let him go for any less than three to four million. He's a I think curious worth bird, everything. isn't he? That, he's a Peterborough chairman, isn't he? Uh, for anybody he is, mate. Yeah, he's, he's uh, very outspoken, black. potentially to his detriment, but I suppose he would say that it's been working so far. Um, yeah, that's interesting. My, my main uh, knowledge of Madison was uh, watching him dive quite embarrassingly when somebody brushed his forehead with, with, with their forehead in a game not too long ago. Might have been... Oh, uh, sorry, go on. Go on, mate. Yeah, yeah exactly. He's the most unwilderish player like Alioski who spoke about. But yeah. he's, I think he's expected assists to like 15 expected assists. Right. Um, and predominantly they come from beating a man and whipping in a good ball or, or through balls. So mm. it, it's exactly what we don't have or what we do have in Duffy. But again, to give you your credit, as you said, Duffy can't do that two games a week throughout the whole season. So Yeah. And that, I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of what I was... One of the kind of avenues I was thinking when when pondering this kind of idea of what are we what are we missing what could what was the one thing that w- would make a big difference and yeah that ability I mean not only two games a week but the ninety minutes which you know there is there's a reason he generally gets subbed off after sixty five seventy minutes and that's because as as great as he has been this season and he would probably be my player of the season I think you know you do see that decline in his performance as the game goes on and. You know, I, I guess you could say, well, if he if he was you know able to play that level for ninety minutes, uh, he probably wouldn't be playing for us. We wouldn't have been able to sign him last season. He'd probably be playing at a, a very upper Championship team at this point, as in you know top three or four team. But yeah, yeah. I do I do think uh, you know someone that we can feed the ball to uh, and kind of rely on them for a, a moment of magic that that we've seen kind of hurt us this season. So that Snodgrass one is a the perfect example, I guess, the, the Villa uh, winner at Bramall Lane earlier this year. I mean, I, I was hoping, maybe I got my hopes up a little too higher, but I was kind of hoping that Holmes might be this kind of player. Um, you know, that kind of a real impact player that you chuck on and you basically, the game plan is just give this guy the ball and let him do something. You know, he'll say he comes on for 20 minutes, he'll have five shots and four will just go into row Z, but one will hit the back of the net or something like that. But, yeah, we've really not seen much for it from him to kind of suggest that that's going to be the case. Although, you know, you do have to take into account the fact he's not he's not played that many minutes either. No, no. I, again, uh, some someone asked me on Twitter to do some XA stats, and I said don't count Holmes. I think at the time he played thirty three minutes. On mm. Paul Lad can't really do much more than what he's doing. But one thing I would say is physically, I don't think he looks like he's cut for the championship. Um, that's both in stature and in his athleticism in terms of the pace and the energy. I think. There's a big difference between League One and Championship in that mm. aspect. Look, it looks like he could turn a player in League One, create a yard, and unleash a cross or a shot. He's yeah. tried that in the Championship, and he's he's just got the ball nicked off him. He um, looks a lot smaller than I remember when he was playing for uh, uh, playing for Charlton and and Barnet, where I, I used to watch him uh, back when I was living in London, um, where he was playing at the lower end of League Two. Right, so, okay. so it was quite. Uh, I mean, I saw some great players playing for Barnet in my time. Uh, Albert Adoma of Aston Villa, uh, Yannick wow. Balassi, who I think is now a, a forty million pound winger, was playing at the now now D 
defunct, unused Underhill. But uh, anyway, that's a bit of a, a, a deviation away from what we're talking about. Let's scout Barnet. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the, the other one, uh, you know, if, if you think, what are we missing that's kind of resulted in this sort of dip in form? I mean, obviously, if uh, Paul Coots was still fit and still playing, then, you know, having that kind of player in midfield that can help us move the ball quickly, then, you know, that is when we looked at our most dangerous. So if we did have somebody like Kearney, but at the same time, I do kind of wonder, and this is, I guess this is another thought experiment, if Coots had stayed fit, you know, I, I still feel like teams would be, they would have adapted to us in the same way and we would probably be having the same difficulties. Maybe not to the extent that we are at the moment, but, you know, I, I just feel like this this dip would still have occurred, I think, even if Coots was fit. I mean, don't get me wrong, we'd, we'd still be a, a much better team with him playing at that level, obviously. But, yeah, I, I don't feel like it's as simple a what-if as, uh, you know, what if Coots had stayed fit. I couldn't agree more, mate. I couldn't agree more. Um, just, just again, not trying to bore people, but just talking statistically, Coot, what Coots did is almost immeasurable because mm-hmm. it was so deep, and it, we don't do things like timing the pace of the balls. Or there is forward pass stats, but they're not well known. Yeah. Um, but when Coots was performing, it coincided with Leon Clark's goals. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that the two were linked, but they were at the same time. Leon Clark's goals have dried up and probably would have done with Paul Coots playing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a combination of the, the lack of chance creation with Duffy's injury, suspensions, tiredness and, and dropping slight form and Leon Clark's dropping form as well from a goal-scoring perspective. Mm. Um, so I, I completely agree with you. I think a lot of fans out there are saying we'll need strikers in the summer. I'm, I'm arguing in my head internally with this because stats-wise, no, we don't. We have Billy Sharp and Leon Clark who are both outperforming their expected goals and who are clearly good finishers. Mm. But then on the other side of it, they're getting older Mm-hmm. They lack a little bit of mobility at times. Um, so I can see that argument, but I think the type of striker we need costs money and we simply don't have it. Um, yeah. Well, maybe we will. You never know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to start that right yeah. now. Let's, let's, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's move away from uh, boardroom wranglings because I am, uh, well, yeah, uninformed to the point of ignoring it, I guess. So, uh, yeah, we can leave that one. <laughs> Um, all right, and then I, I guess just to uh, just to finish off, I mean, um, you know, we we name checked uh, experimental three six one the the website. Uh, so the the chap who runs that, uh, Ben Mayhew, runs a uh, basically a, a model a simulation of um, where teams are most likely to finish, uh, and it currently gives us a twenty five percent shot of making the playoffs based on uh, performance to date and the strength of our remaining fixtures, I believe. Uh, it was around 30% uh, before the last two games. So, you know, kind of shows the impact of failing to beat one of uh, one of the lower-ranked teams left on our, on our home schedule anyway. Um, and I, I said on the, I think it was on the last podcast, uh, that I felt like we needed 15 points from our last six home games. Uh, so we now need a further nine uh, from four after these last two results. Uh, did I get that right? Maybe I've not got that right. Yeah, you got that right. Yeah, got that right. suddenly... That, that sounded correct when I uh, noted it down and then when I came back to it, it didn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you, you tweeted out some really interesting um, interesting data in the week about uh, basically looking at the... So this is like the teams chasing top six, isn't it? So it's, it, you know, you've, you've written off uh, 
uh, written off Cardiff, um, Wolves and, and Fulham uh, and Villa as well as, as uh, Ben Mayhew has because they are um, highly likely to make the uh, make the playoffs. Uh, I think actually, yeah, going out to Villa, he gives so he gives Villa around a ninety six percent, ninety seven percent chance of making the playoffs. So almost a almost a certainty essentially. And and yeah, so you take a look at Derby, Boris, uh, Bristol City, Preston, ourselves, and Millwall. Um, and, and sort of, uh, yeah, plotted out their, their XG for the last six games. Is that right? Yeah, last six games, XG against go- actual goals scored and XG against against goals conceded. Yeah. I mean, do you want to just quickly sort of talk about your, your conclusions from this? Yeah. So if we start with kind of XG, so Ben always gives a great explanation of this. So it's the kind of a value on the quality of the chances we're creating um, and how often those would necessarily go in over time and history shows mm. um we are the lowest um only by a slight amount next to bristol city but we are the lowest out of all those top six teams racing for the playoffs that are uh, creating xg at the minute so we don't at the minute create lots of high quality chances or mm. the quality of our chances isn't high um, yeah. obviously the great thing about xg is it could be two chances created but very high quality compared to someone's 10 chances of low quality but Either way, you look at it, we're not doing well there. And we also have scored the lowest amount of goals. Mm. So we take it to its base level. I think we can see the, the main problem there. Um, <laughs> XG against, that's not too bad for the Blades. Uh, second highest conceded. However, we actually have the lowest XG against. So that's continuing our season look at this, which is we seem to concede more goals than we should. Mm. Um Historically, I think things like the, the Mitrovic finish, uh, Fulham, you know, where the cross comes into the box and he just turns the outside of the foot and it goes in the bottom corner. Yeah. I think I mean, that's a very small XG chance and he's bringing it in the bottom corner. Things like that just seem to happen to us this year. It's, I mean, um, it is amazing, isn't it? Because it's obviously a season-long trend, um, the, the kind of disparity between the goals we should concede and the goals that we have conceded. But, you know, even on this smaller sample that you've, you've pulled out of the last six games, even in a, a sample where we've we've uh, had three clean sheets, it's still like it's still uh, we're still underperforming what we should be defensively. But um, yeah, it is it is unbelievable. And I've I've had a look through the rest of the league. There's no one else who's got the difference like us. Mm. Um, so we just seem to be unlucky. It doesn't look like it's going to level out. It doesn't look like it's going to regress. Yeah. It just looks like that's going to be the story of our season. Um, interestingly, some some just some quick pointers around all the teams in there so Derby are highly underperforming on their numbers mm. uh, one thing I did want to say is I understand people might just throw at me numbers don't matter results do and I agree with that at this stage of the season yep. um, but if, if things do go to the norm as it were Derby would be expected to, to pick up a lot of points um, so they're underperforming on their XG they're underperforming on their goals conceded, sorry more goals are going in than should do against them yeah um, so, so don't write off Derby just based on some limp results recently basically is what basically. You're saying. absolutely i understand that derby have the the power of derby working against them which is they <laughs> bottle any season given mm. any position um but numbers wise they are strong and i would expect that tie to turn dependent upon fixtures i guess um millwall everyone seems to be talking millwall up for a playoff race i don't see it um mm. numbers wise they have been getting results they shouldn't yeah uh, I'm, I'm just looking at your graph now and that there is a a massive disparity in the the xG against versus the the amount of goals that they have conceded so yeah they've they've been pretty fortunate in that regard for sure as have Bristol City actually are almost the same uh, the same kind of uh, measure 
Yeah, no, completely. I did have, uh, there's a couple more graphs I'll tweet out tonight. So I've done the X goal difference, expected goal difference against the actual goal difference, and mm. then converted that into points as well. Mm. So over the last six games, who's took what points and what points should they have had? I think Millwall have got 12 points more than they would have expected to have. Wow. So, <laughs> I mean, this is a lot. Again, performance doesn't mean anything compared to results at this stage of the season, but mm. I think in Millwall's case, that tide will turn. That will not continue on those kind of levels. Um Middlesbrough are performing probably about as expected. Um, scored slightly more than they should have done, but again, that can be down to how XG's worked out. Mm. Um, it's only a small sample size, so I would suggest Middlesbrough are, are about right. As you say, Bristol City should have conceded more than they have, um, but those are games where, for example, Sheffield Wednesday, when they lost 4-0 there, actually didn't have a bad XG. It's about mm. 9-1. So these stats can be skewed, as with any stats, but what they underlying rule of it is showing is the area that's letting Sheffield United down is goal scored and chances created Yeah, uh, which is something we constantly talk about we're not even anywhere near the, the, the other guys that are in the top six race on this level uh, including Millwall they, they create a lot more than us Yeah, uh, so it, it's something that from now to the end of the season has to improve if we are to have any chance of making that top six yeah definitely it's, it's interesting with Bristol City actually I noticed this uh, just before we start talking but um Going back to that, uh, the, the kind of um, the probabilities for our seasons. I noticed that, um, yeah, th- this actually has um, has us finishing ahead of Bristol City, despite the fact they are above us in the table at the moment. So, yeah, going on Ben Mayhew's model, um, it gives he gives uh, United about twenty five percent chance of making the playoffs, and Bristol City only uh, around twenty one. So, yeah, even though they're above us in the table at the moment, he, even uh, his model suggests that they will probably slip down a bit. Um, I mean, do you think, uh, obviously, of, of these six teams, there's uh, there's only two playoff places up for up for grabs, and uh, Derby and Borough are in the the box seat at the moment. Although we should stress they're only um, they're only two points ahead of us. But yeah, I mean, do you do you do you see as uh, do you see either of those two teams like based on this? Either of those teams two teams are probably likely to to kick on right rather than uh, than slip up. Yeah. Um... Again, I, I, I've got my own thoughts from a, a personal point of view. Um, personally, I'm going to go with uh, history and the, the gods up there and say Derby will slip out. Mm. Um, but numbers-wise, which is what I try to focus on, I, I think those two are going to go in the playoffs. Yeah. Preston, are, Preston are performing exceptionally well. Um, I didn't think they'd be as good at XG as they are, Preston, actually. Mm. Uh, over, this, over the small sample size I've done, they've, they've created, I think, second highest? Yeah, it's second highest, so... That's one thing you wouldn't normally assume with Preston. You think they win one nil or things like that, but uh, they're actually a good creative side. So they, they do have a chance, and they're in a great run of form, Preston. But I think Derby and Middlesbrough will make it. I don't think the sides outside the playoffs are anywhere near the level of Derby and Middlesbrough. Yeah, uh, I, I don't see it. Or Millwall will tail off. I think really it, it, it is a case of probably Bristol City. If they stick to their current numbers, they won't make it. If they go back to how they were earlier in the season, which they probably won't do to tiredness, then they would have the, the best chance, I guess. But mm. I don't I don't see us making it to numbers. That sounds extremely pessimistic. But Yeah, I think, you know, as fantastic a season as it's been and, um, you know, incredible moments, win at Hillsborough, double over Leeds, all this kind of thing, I will still be a little bit annoyed if Millwall finish ahead of us. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many points behind us were they last season? It must have been like 25 or something ridiculous. Um, so, oh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I've, I've got nothing particularly against Millwall, but 
I do hope that they do tail off, and we, you know, I will take, I will be satisfied with ninth if they finish tenth, <laughs> not the other way around. They will tail off, then. You've heard it here first. Yeah. Although, you know, as you said, with sample size and all that, we're obviously into a, a stretch of the season, which is going to be a, a small sample now. So, you know, teams may just be able to uh, outperform themselves, I guess, outperform their, their statistics and just pull off a, a freakish run of results that see something happen. And hopefully that will be Sheffield United. You never know. You never know. Maybe in this international break, we'll uh, devise a plan B for if their plan A doesn't go right. And uh, all of a sudden, there'll be a youth team player that can come and bag five out of the next six games. That would be very nice. Yeah, maybe that player is uh, is Brooks. We, we'll see, or it could be somebody completely different. Um, all right, mate. We've uh, we've we've rattled on for a, a good long time. There is, is there anything else you want to uh, just hit quickly before we uh, we finish up? Uh, no, mate. Not really. I think I've bored people enough. Um, <laughs> was the mic okay throughout? Was it okay? Uh, yeah, sounds uh, sounds all good now. Yeah, now that we've uh, now that you've sat perfectly still for fifty six minutes. <laughs> Yeah, Jay. Thanks so much for uh, for giving up your time and your your insight as always to uh, to talk to me. Uh, I enjoyed it once again, and uh, yeah, hope hopefully people will uh, will will get as much out of it as um, as I have. Absolutely. Please do subscribe and uh, do follow and listen to, to all the podcasts that Ben's put out. He's uh, goes a hell of a long way to uh, to put these out just for his own enjoyment, but they're always insightful, always fun, and Ben does know what he's on about despite in quotations that you might not. So uh, please do give it a listen, subscribe and uh, share it with you over Unitedites and uh, get it out there. That's, that's very kind of you, mate. Um, all right. Thanks once again, Paul. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll catch up again soon. Cheers, buddy. All right. Bye. Cheers, Jay. Bye-bye.